Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. Good morning. Change is hard. Real hard. And if you're sitting beside somebody who won't change, don't let them know right now that you feel like it's really hard for them to change. The problem with most of our change is that we have desires, we have this thing that we want, whether it's fitness, like you decide, I'm going to get my fitness under control, and then you decide you're going to do it, and then a day later you've quit doing whatever you've decided. Um, Budgets, for those married, budgets are the most fun things you and your wife can do together. Brings harmony and peace to the house. we, for probably a decade of our marriage, um, planned having a budget. Literally wrote it out on paper. We did everything but laminate it and do it. Uh, marriage is another thing that um, is real difficult. To, we, we, we get into bad habits of um, taking each other for granted. And, you know, a lot of times we'll see that we want something to change, but we fail to change over and over again. Uh, parenting. Anyone with kids? It's hard. Especially when we've allowed things to go to one place to make a change to get it back to where we think it should be. So my question for you this morning is why is change so difficult? It's exhausting. And honestly, I think it's most difficult because we try to independently bring the change we set our minds to do the thing that we know that we should do and we try our best to do it by ourselves and let me just tell you on a on a on a worldly side when you involve yourself in a community that helps you bring that change there's so much more success than you trying to do it all by yourself but when the power to change and staying change which is the big thing because we start to change it's the staying change when it lies solely on our shoulders it is extremely exhausting and almost always we give up and we're not even in january but um i'll I'll do this i'll do this I always say don't raise your hand, but you're, you're permitted to raise your hand for this one. How many in this room, <laughs> I'm saying this because I think there's not going to be any hands raised. How many in this room made a commitment in January to change something about you? I mean, like a legit commitment, you wrote it down, you told others, and are still walking that out. You raise your hand if you do. One, any, two, two, three, three people in this room made a commitment And are still carrying it out, which is amazing. Because most of the time, it doesn't make it out of January. Because change is hard. I want to look at a verse before we get into our fourth beatitude this morning. That we've already talked about when we used, uh, or talked about the idea of identity. Matthew 11, starting in 28, which is going to be on the screen behind you. So what do we do with our inability to bring change? Our inability to 
really give peace or satisfy what's going on inside of us. Matthew 28, it says, Come to me, all you are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Our efforts to change typically leave right there because we try to do it ourselves instead of releasing that and going to a place that actually can bring change to us. Removing a yoke that we placed on our own self and asking Jesus to do what we are unable to do. So we're in week four of a series called Redefined. Uh, we believe that Jesus had his most uh, most prolific sermon. And at the beginning of those, he had ways for us to walk in a blessed life. And again, I've said this every week, but just in case this is your first Sunday, a blessed life does not mean that we give you the winning lottery tickets. Somebody in California on the 5th. Of October, won $699 million. Let me just tell you, their problems have not ended with $699 million at all. The way to a blessed life, and a blessed life is us surrendering to the person who gives us that peace and that place, that Ability to get in his presence, which is what we're trying to do when we worship here on Sunday morning. So here's what we've gone through so far. Matthew 5, starting in verse 3. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And today's is, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So step one in this walking into a blessed life uh, is humility. Choosing humility over pride, understanding and stating and living in the reality that you have no ability to save yourself. You can't do it. There is no good works. There is no thing that you can do that will get you into the position of being blessed, to being in the presence of God. Step two is brokenness, choosing brokenness over denial. God, I am guilty and I'm sorry, mourning over our sin, dealing with what we're going through every day to him, not hiding these things that are really destroying us, but being broken to him. Step three is surrender, choosing surrender over striving. God, I want you to lead. And then our step four today is dependence. Choose dependence over independence. God, I can't do this without you. And we see this clearly. We've been talking about for the last few weeks this story of the prodigal son, of the two sons who had separated themselves from the father, missed the blessing One, by his own sin, he asked for the father to give him what was not his yet. The father gave it to him. He ran off, ruined it, spent it, came back broken. And the father received him in. And the elder brother was doing everything right, but doing it for the wrong reasons. So that he could come to the father and say, I've not done, I've done everything that you've said and you've never done this for me. The prodigal lost everything and is 
dependent. Like he literally had nothing. He was desiring to eat the pods that he was feeding the pigs. And he went back just to be a servant. And the father received him back. And then he entered into his father's celebration. And the older brother, when he hears the celebration, is so angry that his father would do this, that he stayed on the outside, not entering in to the presence of the father because of his own righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Uh, Other translations say field. That sounded really country. I know. I am from North Carolina, so it's okay. And there's some things that we're going to look at specifically that you get out of this. But let me just appeal to you. There's a hunger that is in you. It's what drives you to do or not do what you're doing every day. It's in you. And some of the hungers that you have are driving you to do things that you don't want to do or is driving you to hinder relationships around you because you have this hunger that you want satisfied. And what we're going to deal with specifically today is that Jesus promises to fill us. I'm going to walk over here and get some water because I just got a tickle. And to satisfy us completely. Of us here would like just to be satisfied and not ruining relationships and chasing down things that aren't going to make us happy. They aren't going to satisfy us. They're not going to fill us. So here's three things that we see out of this one scripture. The first one is that we are all hungry. God has created you to be hungry And thirsty. It's in you. You can't get rid of it. If you were not hungry or thirsty, you would not feel the need to ever eat or drink again, and you would die. Therefore, our appetites are God given and good. Buddhism says that our desires are evil, and the key to freedom is to eliminate the desire. Jesus says desire is good and the key to freedom is learning to satisfy it with the right and good thing. So what brings satisfaction? Jeremiah 20, I'm sorry, Jeremiah 2 verse 13. It's for, it says, for my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. And they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that cannot hold water at all. So the people of God, they have walked away from the fountain of living water. And we do this. And if you're not satisfied and you're not full right now, you have most likely dug out a cistern that you're thinking, I'm going to fill this and this is going to satisfy me. And what Jeremiah is trying to tell them is that thing's not going to satisfy you because it's got a big old crack in it. And the more you try to pour into it, the more, I mean, if you think it's financial security, the more money you try to pour into it, you think, I'm finally going to be happy. I'm finally going to be satisfied when the truth is it's not. It's going to leak out. Something's going to happen. 
some new obstacles, a car's going to break down, a refrigerator's going to break, a hurricane's going to come, a job is going to be lost. And if this cistern that we've created, that we're trying to pull life out of, is cracked and leaking, which all other cisterns are, outside of the satisfying purpose and presence of God, we're in trouble. Here's another one in Psalms 63, starting in verse 1. Listen to this. It says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, and my flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water, So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich foods. This is most likely written by a king of Israel who knew good food. We're not talking about McDonald's. Well, can I even say, do Burger Kings even exist anymore? Do they? It's okay if we want to go up a notch. It's not just Chick-fil-A. It's not them golden nuggets. Like, he's saddest. I mean, he has had good food. He doesn't have to, whatever. And he's saying, the presence of God and the peace of God is far more satisfying than that. And it says, and my mouth will praise you. With joyful lips, when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. Jesus is our only place of real satisfaction. He created you, and he created you with a longing to know him. And we take that longing, which has been corrupted and polluted by human nature and sin, and we try everything else in our power to satisfy us. Every one of us. There's no pure person here in this room because you're still alive and you've not walked into the glory of the God. Every one of us are struggling right now with a hunger that we know isn't okay. And I'm not even talking about like these major, they're like, oh, he's about to expose somebody. No, there's so many things in our life right now that we're hungering after that aren't necessarily inherently evil, but they're robbing us from satisfaction and fullness. Because we're lying to ourselves that at the end of this journey, at the end of this thing, at the end of this work, at the end of this effort, I'll be good. And if you live long enough and have a couple of those that you've arrived at the conclusion of, you'll realize that they don't. A new car gets old, a new house gets old, you're... Love of your life gets old. <laughs> Things change. And we have to figure out what's in us. If, if God's put, us, put this in us and he's telling us through these beatitudes, hey, if you want to be blessed, if you want to enjoy the presence of God, then do these things. And, and what's, the, what's the adverse of that? If you're not doing those things, 
You won't enjoy what God has for you. If you're fighting with humility because you don't want to be humble, you want to be right. If you're fighting um, over shame so you don't want to be broken, you don't get the comfort that he promises. If you're fighting over control and you don't want to surrender, you'll continue to make decisions that will hurt you and others. It's just what it is. And the reason why we're here, the reason why we're talking about this is because none of us have gotten it right. And we need each other. I got something I want to share in just a second, but I'm waiting for the right time. So I'm going to wait. So number two, first one is we're all hungry. The second one is we were all created for righteousness. All of us. Righteousness means right standing with God. Therefore, if I'm righteous, I am in right standing. Nothing is coming between us. We're created for it. We're created to be in this position that we want nothing else to be in his presence. Because in his presence is where we're satisfied. If you've been to my house, you've met Lucky. And if you've listened to me when you come in, and I tell you not to give him too much attention, and you don't listen, he pees on the floor. Because he loves people. And he loves, our first dog was not like this, but this dog does not like to be alone. He wants to be around you. Sometimes he's so torn between me and Jody that he will sit on the stoop of the stairs, in between Jody upstairs and me downstairs. I mean, he just will. And if, if, if he's dead asleep under the most comfy of blankets and he realizes that he, he's alone, he leaves that comfy blanket that he loves and he comes after us. And he snuggles in right with us, sleeps in the bed with us. He wants to be around us all the time. And he doesn't, like, he's not thinking, like, will, will dad or mom you know, do they want, he doesn't care. He doesn't care whether we want it or not. Even I actually, I think sometimes when he, when he does something real bad and we're like getting on him, he's even more so like, like humbling himself. Like, please take me back. I knew I just growled at you, but like he wants that presence. And this is, and I'm not trying to compare us to dogs, but we need to be just like that. Our whole purpose for this righteousness is that we will spend our time doing everything we can to be in his presence. And let me just tell you, you cannot enjoy his presence like you're intended to, only enjoying him during this time on Sunday morning. Wasn't his intention. You were not created to be reminded about him once a week. You were created to pursue him, to know him, to to want to be around him. Lucky knows the sound of the cutting board in our house, though we don't feed him hardly anything. But if he hears a cutting board come out and 
he comes over into the kitchen and he doesn't he doesn't look at us because he know we're not going to give him anything he looks at the floor I got I got if you drop anything I'm going to get it and that, that's honestly that's what our life should be like that we want to be so close to God that when the things fall down we want to be there to get them because the other day I was cutting we had um um, I don't know what it's some type of meat and it was hot off the grill because I know it like burnt the fire out of his mouth. But like a whole I mean, not like a little piece, like a whole good piece fell on the ground. And he was right there. But I was not going to fight him for it. Like he probably would bite me for his meat. But he was there. And, and that's what we're, we're meant to be in hunger. And in our hunger, we pursue God and we try to be near God so that we can enjoy the things that he gives to us. And the problem with that is that we, I don't know if you've heard this illustration before, but like if you know that you're having a good steak dinner, like you know, you go to Ruth Chris, there's going to be a 500 degree plate coming sizzling with butter and meat. The worst thing that you can do is fill your stomach with lesser things before this great thing. And we do this all the time. And part of the reason why you're not hungry is because in our lack of righteousness, we fill ourselves with things that are trying to satisfy us and we miss out what God's trying to do. See, the Christian life is learning to live in the presence of God. We do not do devotional time to appease him. We don't check a box so that he will pat us on the back or, you know, oh, good, good, good boy, good girl. We have devotional time because we want to know him. Jesus has already settled our account. We spend time with him because we love him, because we are captivated by him, because we enjoy his presence. This is why we encourage you to begin your day there. Because everything else, as soon as you walk out of your door, as soon as life hits you, it's going to get you and want you to do the things that you know that you shouldn't do. Get angry. Get frustrated. There's a great book um, by um, Brother Lawrence, I believe, called Practicing the Presence of God. I've talked about it a couple of times. But his whole print, he was a, he was a monk. He, he just wanted to be around God. That's why he went to a monastery so that he could do nothing but pray and praise and read. And the problem with a monastery is like every other thing, there's work to be done. And he would get frustrated that he had to do dishes or cook dinner or whatever, because, or, or, or plant a garden or far, you know, um, harvest a garden or whatever. You can see how good of a gardener I am. These garden terms just flowing out of me. And he had to do with these other things. He was always so frustrated that it was taking him away of his time with God. And, and, and the whole book is his reality of discovering that he can enjoy the presence of God anywhere. He could literally be washing dishes and enjoy the presence of God Right there. He could be cooking dinner for his other uh, brothers in the, the order. He could be gardening and enjoy the presence of God. And it changed his life. I read this this week, if you're reading along with our, our, our New Testament reading. 
um, Ephesians came up this week, and, and it's, it's, an, it's an awkward statement because it's going to talk about bond servants, and a bond servant is someone that's basically committed to serving someone else, like maybe one step above being a full-on slave. And in Ephesians, he's talking to the bond servants, and this is what he says. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 5. It says, Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good with a good will as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or free. This is one of the verses that I read in the morning. I'm just like, like how much of our day, and I'm not talking about like your work, which you should I mean, honestly, us believers, we should be the best employees that anybody has. We should be the most honest employees. We should be the hardest working employees. And he puts perspective on the thing that they had to do naturally. They had to work. They had to serve because they had bonded themselves out. They were now required to. But he's saying, hey, don't just do it because you have to. And don't just do it when they're watching. But do it like you're serving the Lord. I mean, how... If we understood what he did and has done and is doing for us and our forgiveness of our sin and making a place for us in his presence for eternity. Like, how would it change our relationships if we stopped being nice to our spouse because it's what we should do, but we started loving them like loving them would be loving Christ? How would it change at work or with other people or neighbors if we looked at it through that perspective? See, God is always at work. And to hunger and thirst for righteousness means living in his presence. So that we can be or we are transformed by his power and live with great purpose. Thus, our entire life is living to represent our king in every moment, in every relationship, in every setting. Period. And part of the re, part of the way that we understand how to walk in a righteous, in right standing with God is being in His Word. And it's super convicting because let me just tell you, you're doing lots of things wrong. Imagine when I say these things that I'm I'm included in that. Okay, so I'm not like oh pastors, we are. We're missing so much stuff, and he has so much grace for us. The last thing, so we all are hungry, we're all created for righteousness, and the last thing is that we can all be filled. See, Jesus promises us that if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, at the end of that, we'll be full and blessed. The key is not winning that $699 million lottery. If you did fly into California and buy a ticket in this one place and you're holding on to it. The key is not becoming a famous athlete or celebrity, which has an appeal because we think that we'll have power and prestige and people will love us. And 
the thing that you realize is that it's not, it doesn't work like that. There wouldn't be a free Brittany for anybody that knows what that is. If, if when you have it all and you have the money that it all goes well and the, the acclaim and the love from others is enough and it's not. I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> Sorry. The key is righteousness. The key to your blessed life is you living in right standing with God. And on the other side of that, choosing to do so, he fills us. I believe the most satisfying experience in life is knowing that you are close to Jesus. Knowing that you are in God's will, feeling his presence, seeing him work in you and through you. It is amazing. And there's some people in this room that you've had moments of your life, years of your life potentially. Maybe you're in it right now where you've just seen it. Like you're seeing the move of God. And for those that are inexperiencing God right now and have taken experiencing God, when your eyes get open to the things that God is doing around you, there is nothing more satisfying than feeling the now well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus, in a conversation that he had in uh, John 4, 13, he said to the woman at the well who was there and she had been doing her thing her whole life. She'd been going out and getting the water because that was her job. And there's a whole nother conversation of why this she was there in midday and all this other stuff. But she was going to satisfy this thing that was necessary because if you don't drink, you die. And there she starts to have a conversation with Jesus. And in that conversation, Jesus says to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Everyone who drinks... This water, who has some of the water fountain, who has uh, a tap in their house. Everybody who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. But we have to get to the end of ourselves, to understand that that's where it comes from. The problem is, is that for decades, for long periods of time, we have been going to the wrong well. And, and to be completely honest, even when we know that well isn't it. It's like we forget it. We'll, we'll try again one more time. We'll see if this well will give me what I think it will give me. But it won't. Back to Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What I was going to say a minute ago that I wanted to save to hear. Sometimes I just get so, like, I just want to say everything at once. And if you're a communicator, that doesn't really work very well. I went um, to a network meeting last week. 
in uh, Fayetteville. Our group of churches together, and they were talking about lots of different things. And I am thoroughly convinced that I have for way too long independently chose to do what I do. That a lot of what I do, I do independently of the presence of God. And I'm talking about church stuff. Because I've been in ministry and I've been doing things for 19 years. And it, it just you just go and you're like, yes, we can make this happen. We can do these things and we can reach our city. And I'm, I'm here to confess to you that I was wrong. I am wrong. And so one of the things that I'm going to start doing, you can ask me about this. And this is this is the beauty of accountability. Um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I go out, I work out at 530. I'm going to start going to our property at five o'clock every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, which we own 3.6 acres over there, um, which I went this last Friday. Um, and just walk around and talk to Jesus. Um, and Friday I was on my face in the dirt, sand spurs and all. Um, I did pray that I wouldn't take a knee in an anthill which there are lots out there and god was merciful and i just confessed that i'm tired of trying to make this happen i'm tired of tried i'm tired of trying to be something that i can't be without him and not that i don't love jesus not that i'm not doing jesus things but there's so much of what i do that i just do and I wasn't created to live like that, and you weren't created to live like that. And as long as you choose independence over dependence, you will miss what God has for you. I'm not saying you may miss heaven, but let me just tell you, eternity is going to be great, but God has put us here for a purpose. And if you don't get out of this independent mode and into a dependent mode of God, because like in our dependence on him is where he moves. Because to be completely honest, if he moved in our independence, we would choose to stay there. And God's done great things. And I love this church and I love what God is doing, but I want more. Another thing. Um, we're having an elders meeting this week, so you'll hear more about this. But um, I want to clarify the why we're here. And we've been talking about it forever. And, um, you know, not that we don't have vision, not that we don't have mission here, but like I want to clarify that because I believe that God called us to the city to change our city. And the only way that's going to happen is that if me and other people decide that Jesus has something better for us, that Jesus will satisfy and will fill us. And on the end of, and we talked about this last week with um, Moses, at the end of our life, seeing God move, we will be so glad that we didn't stay in the palace. We're so glad that thing that is controlling us, that's keeping us there, that we finally let it go and said, God, I want you. And so what I'd like to do, I'm going to get our worship team to come back up. I want to invite you to be honest. 
I want you to, I want to invite you to declare what you have been doing. Choosing your own way and your own will and your own purpose. And declaring a dependence on him and its work. Now, let me just tell you, you know, if you got saved at some point in your life, if you went from I don't believe to I do believe, that moment was never intended to be the only thing that you do. We don't we don't punch a ticket to get to heaven. We surrender our lives. And so if that's not been the model of what your life looks like following Jesus, then you've missed the point. And so I'm going to invite you, and this is pretty much what we do every week, and then part of the reasons why we're in here is I, I want to call you into a place of letting Jesus be more today than he was yesterday. And your journey with Jesus is just doing that every day. It never ends. It never ends. So I have a prayer um, that I'm going to read like we've done every week, and I encourage you to pray it with me. Um, and then we're going to worship. And the, the beauty of surrendering our independence and committing to being dependent on Him is worship changes. It has more meaning. It's just not like a good song and good words together, but it's a declaration. You know, when we sing songs about chains being broken, it's not like, and I love that song. I mean, I, I, I love that song. But it, it sings differently when we believe it. And it sings differently when we believe that that's what he wants to do in this city. So if you're willing and interested, pray with me. Jesus, I am so tired of trying to follow you but feeling so far away. I'm worn out. I long to walk with you, to please you, to be transformed by you. But I cannot do it on my own. Jesus, I renounce my pride and independence and admit that I am totally dependent on you. Jesus, I trust you to produce your life in me. Help me stay in step with you. I want to see you working in me and through me every day. Jesus, you changed the whole world with 11 guys that chose to be utterly dependent on you. Lord, you just want a church to be the same. So, Lord, I, I pray over us in this room that are struggling with this will that we have inside of us. The one that we know lies to us. The one that we know leads us in wrong directions. That self-will. And Lord, right now, we, we lay that at your feet. Lord, we want intimacy with you. We, we want to experience you. We, we want to be just like Lucky. That we stay close to you and, and we get to enjoy the things that fall from your presence. And so, Lord, would you fill us today? Would you allow these moments to be a catalyst for something bigger? 
something more important than all the things that we chased after before. And Lord, I pray that you would receive our worship today as we sing the words of this song to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.